Welcome everyone to another episode of Medicine Rewired. I'm your host Osama Khalid. Today I have an amazing guest with us, a brilliant and a kind person. Well, he's a second year internal medicine resident and a registrar at Gulab Devi Hospital Lahore. He's my dearest friend, fellow, and yes guys, he's a newlywed person. Welcome Dr. Usman Fiyas. How are you brother? Alhamdulillah, I'm fine and thank you so much Osama for inviting me on this precious uh, podcast and uh, um, this is the wonderful initiative you have taken. Well man, um, thank you. Yesterday was your wedding ceremony. First, I have to congratulate you and your partner for this amazing uh, ceremony that you had. May you guys have the most happiest life Congrats again. Thank you so much, Osama. And yeah, it's it's been a nervous and anxiety ride to me. <laughs> but yeah, I'm co- cooping up with this thing. Yeah, um, I think you're, you're excited, uh, aren't you? Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> you must be. Uh, because I think um, having uh, someone in your life um, it brings with... Uh, brings up with it many many things because from ranging from having responsibility what do you want to say about this i think uh, that is what i said in the first place because uh, i'm i'm having uh, you know a blessed feeling plus with the, a lot of responsibility on me because you know you you just have to sign on a nikah papers but at the same time you are bounded with a lot of responsibility so that factor is you know i am keeping up you know adjusting to the new reality of my life so yeah it is a new change for me so i Obviously, think um i think uh, there is there are two aspects uh, one aspect is the responsibility but the second aspect is there you have happiness mm-hmm. you have a uh, love and care associated with this and it's the best of both the worlds um and many many uh, wishes uh, and blessings to you and your partner thank you so much osama so uh, you're here as a guest to my podcast show obviously you would be sharing some brilliant things with our audience so what do you have for us in store today okay sama so yeah i have seen a lot of patient in my daily routine so uh, a lot of patient presented to me with a very you know uh, a common disease which is getting very common in pakistan it was not before that but yeah it's coming very very common in pakistan which is uh, fatty liver disease it's becoming a new um, epidemic for pakistan because every third person is suffering from it and a lot of people didn't know about this thing fatty liver disease yeah uh, an amazing topic that you have selected uh, for our listeners because i used to hear about uh, the diseases associated with the liver ranging from hepatitis uh, with the b and the c virus the acute uh, hepatitis then there was this entity of alcoholic uh, liver disease but obviously this development of fatty liver disease with the non alcoholic fatty liver disease is uh, gaining popularity as an entity that can develop to cirrhosis right so an amazing um, topic that is there for our audience obviously so where do you want to start with your discussion okay so we'll decide uh, we'll divide our episode into multiple segments for example starting from uh, the pathogenesis to the clinical presentation then the imaging and all that stuff which is including in the nephrology 
and uh, then we'll to have a conclusion remarks as well obviously uh, so where do you want to start with the pathogenesis i'll, I'll start with the pathogenesis yeah. okay so uh, the pathogenesis of uh, nephildi is uh, in debate in medical world for a very long time now and uh, the pathogenesis is a bit a complex and incomplete phenomena which is still ununderstood for a lot of people so they put forward two hypotheses for understanding this uh, disease and uh, the first one which is i uh, keep it most close to myself as well is the accumulation of the fat and lipids and uh, triglycerides in the hepatocytes which ultimately lead to the uh, lipid uh, dysregulations and lipid dysmetabolisms which is uh, ultimately leading to the oxidative stress and the second hypothesis is eventually the same but it is further propagation of this hypothesis for example uh, the accumulation of the lipids and all that just um, all other things in the hepatocytes which ultimately leads to the chronic inflammations and then the uh, oxidative damage that is there happening leading to chronic inflammation that's the pathogenesis right yeah Exactly. Right. So that is the pathogenesis, obviously. So, uh, Dr. Osman, I have this question. If patients are developing this chronic inflammation with fatty liver disease, are there any signs and symptoms that these patients are developing or present to you in the OPD with just having the fatty liver there? Or there aren't any. So what are the, what are the signs and symptoms that patients present to you? Okay, so this is, I think, the most important question is, uh, a lot of people uh, came to me on uh, in OPD with the only presentation is uh, fatigue and malaise, nothing else. And a lot of people and a lot of patients are asymptomatic for a lot of time. You know, a lot of, uh, many uh, patients develop diabetes and meanwhile uh, we do the screening and all the other baselines then we came to know that patient is also suffering from uh, fatty liver disease fatty liver yeah, disease as fatty well liver diseases, yeah. yeah so you're saying uh, the only problem that patients do present is fatigue and release and yeah. honestly these are the uh, one of the most non-specific complaints that you can hear from a patient while seeing in the opd and regardless of the disciplines uh, out there patients complain of body aches all the time and these non-specific complaints can take you to any route of pathologies uh, that are there so what are the initial um, steps that you do take when a patient does present to you with fatigue and malaise and uh, do you uh, just uh, send some baselines at the start or just give them some uh, NSAID <coughs> or uh, paracetamol to relieve their fatigue or pain that is there Okay, so let me add something on this thing. Uh, so a lot of uh, patient who presented to us with the fatigue and malaise, um, I usually told my students and to my um, house officers that in Pakistan or in Pakistan, like 
technically the body aches is the, is the common uh, disease uh, and common and the national disease of Pakistan. So yeah, wow. uh, we usually just give them some paracetamol and some, some NSAIDs for these complaints. So uh, you, we usually take these complaints to a lighter note. We never go for any baselines or to any ultrasounds or anything like that. So yeah, so that is why the lot of people over here is misdiagnosed just due to the main factors of being, uh, you know, uh, being functional sometimes they are just burdening the OPD and to the resources available to us is very limited so yeah if a lot of patient came to us with the same complaint so yeah we definitely going yeah, to think something uh, else yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're, you're just uh, because uh, I've I am a part of this uh, burden or I would say a crisis uh, here in Pakistan at a tertiary care setup mm-hmm. at a government setup there are too many patients with many patients with having the same complaints, same problems, and at this at that time you're actually burdened up. You're unable to uh, delineate the basic problems or the complex problems that are there. So I agree with you. Uh, but I had this question about uh, when you said about the paracetamol or when you give uh, patients or prescribe them paracetamol. So suppose this patient has inflammation of the liver going on and you prescribe the patient a paracetamol. We all know that acetaminophen uh, has a metabolism from the liver. So do you take specific precautions uh, during this process and just want to uh, give a break to our listeners uh, right now? I just want to plug in some amazing fact. If you guys are hearing some amazing noise from our back, that is Dr. Usman's nephew, Harsher, he's, he's a great child. He's just, uh, how many is he, is he old? He's one in three. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he's a little anxious kid. If you hear him cry at the back, we are sorry, but, but uh, sorry, stay with us. Yeah, uh, stay with us because uh, maybe he, he would join us uh, with, our, with this episode uh, sometime. So, uh, so coming back to the, uh, to the discussion, uh, any role of acetaminophen with the inflamed liver? Okay, see so, yeah. Um, it was. It is a really good question. <laughs> you have to keep me for thinking for a second. Yeah. So uh, paracetamol is usually advised for the patients having a CLD with the uh, with the initial stages. Yeah. But if the patient develops cirrhotic liver disease, then we have to reduce the dose to the half, which is getting to the normal patient. For example, if a normal person is getting one gram. QID then we have to you know get it down to 500 mg QID so yeah but not in an initial stage that will remain same for every person right so let's move on you you talked about the pathogenesis right so if patients aren't having um, any some bigger problems signs and symptoms how do you diagnose such patients at the first place Okay, so a lot of people diagnosed with the main uh, incidental findings. For example, a patient came to me with the diabetes and he'll definitely bring some LFTs with me. And uh, when he bring the LFTs, I can see the raise in ALT levels and ALP levels, which is the the first markers of uh, getting insult of the liver and which is usually due to the 
due to multiple causes might be due to some uh, chronic inflammation and the, the number one cause of chronic inflammation is the viral hepatitis and then we'll move forward to the non uh, non alcoholic fatty liver diseases so yeah uh, whenever patient came to us with uh, high uh, ALTs and ASTs and ALP so we definitely go for the viral markers and then we proceed forward to the uh, imaging uh, techniques right so you've highlighted that when patients present to you, hmm. you send baseline investigations and upon uh, looking on the liver function tests, the raising the ALT brings into your bring in, bring, brings in, I have to focus and highlight on some words, because uh, the ALT is what brings or raises up your attention, I would say, right? Amazing. So it's the ALT, guys that is increased in the fatty liver so what is your next step okay so if we get the alt uh, raised to some specific level for example it's raised it's not highly raised but it's raised to one uh, one fold of its original value so yeah then we move forward with the ultrasound yeah so in ultrasound abdomen is the number one modality we used after getting the lfts okay so you're moving towards an ultrasound and what are the key findings uh, that are there on the ultrasound? Uh, is there a scale uh, that, I, that you're, you're using to grade the fatty liver disease upon the findings on the ultrasound? Okay. Is there any? So uh, on ultrasound, we just see the bright echo texture or we can see the bright uh, hypoechoic uh, features on the ultrasound. And we usually grade the fatty levers according to the level of the brightness we can see on the ultrasound. For, for example, the level of inflammation and also the brightness. For example, we usually categorize to grade one, two and three. Okay, so uh, this is the first time we can see and um, the grade one is usually asymptomatic, grade two is usually asymptomatic, but grade three sometimes presented with the hepatomegaly as well. So yeah, that can be sometimes a that problem. Is, that is a problem, yeah. yeah. So you to you're talking about ultrasound uh, imaging and ultrasound imaging reveals many pathologies um, and it is highlighted here as well with the hypoechoic uh, findings on the liver. Uh, with the kidneys uh, surrounding by that it, that helps us differentiate the two organs a lot so I was reading uh, about the fiber scan as well so in diagnosing cirrhosis does it, does it have any role in fatty liver disease or is, is it just used in cirrhosis Okay, so yeah, you raised a very good question as well. So in, in the new guidelines, the scan is now the modality of the diagnosis of the uh, nephildi because eventually the first step in nephildi is steatosis. It means accumulation of the fat and then this steatohepatitis. This is the inflammation of the liver due to the fatty changes and eventually it leads to fibrosis and cirrhosis. So yeah. If we do fibroscan at the right time, uh, we can diagnose the progression of the disease. For example, fibroscan have like uh, different scales on as well. For example, it's starting from F0 to F4. So F4 means cirrhosis and before F4, it is pre-cirrhotic changes and all that stuff, which can be missed on normal ultrasounds, but can be visualized by using fibroscan. So you're saying that we, if a patient is at the verge of having cirrhosis, mm -hmm. a, a transformation from 
stay to hepatitis to cirrhosis virus scan will be very helpful yeah it is really helpful yeah so till now we have discussed two good imaging modalities an ultrasound and fibrous scan we have discussed what would be the labs be the raising the alt more or less right so how do you proceed further so you've diagnosed you know that a patient has fatty liver disease right so what are your next management plans or what are you thinking for the patient for the patient's next investigations as well and the management plan as well okay. what what are your next steps so uh usually whenever a patient came to me with the uh, with the fib- uh, with the fatty liver changes so i'll definitely go over the lipid profile because usually the lipid profile is deranged in these patient then i'll definitely go for um, hpa1c because normally the, uh, there is a cochrane disease of diabetes mellitus type 2 with the fatty liver disease and they can exist hand by hand so i can't give more importance to this point as well because if a patient came to you with diabetes mellitus always rule out fatty liver changes and if fatty liver changes came to you always rule out diabetes type 2 so yeah i'll go for hpa1c uh, the normal lipid profile and any other relative relative related, uh, related, related, related inf- yeah. yeah related in um, investigation which i deem necessary right so you're saying that um, take into account diabetes and fatty liver disease at the same time because patients would be developing both these problems um, side by side it's important uh, that you have highlighted this uh, aspect because it really ties in towards the management that you would be taking into account at the end of the day for such patients so i was just imagining and uh, i have a this i this question in mind we have we are discussing patients uh, or actually a disease process this fatty liver disease but at the end of the day patients are really asymptomatic and they are diagnosed upon some other problems or maybe whether when they have diabetes or not right do you have any uh, screening modality out there that you want to use for such patients or are there any specific patient populations in your mind ahead of time are you looking at the obesity scales are you looking at the bmi or what is there in your mind that you want to share with us for bringing in this disease process okay so i'm so technically technically in my experience i have seen a patients with developing fatty liver changes or developing the cirrhotic liver disease is due to fatty liver changes in very early ages for example i have seen a patient in early 30s having developed fatty liver changes and i have seen patient developing these sort of condition in late 60s so this can happen at any stage of their life irrespective of a lot of things for example there is a genetic pre disposition uh, as, well, yeah. as well so uh, sometimes uh, they have a bmi ranging from 30 and above so yeah these are the factors which we have to you know think about it and plus due to the um, uh, a very uh, emerging market as a e-commerce and, e- um, and the electronic um, electronic the, media yeah electronic media yeah. social media so yeah a lot of people have a sedentary lifestyle so yeah these patients are the number one right now yeah so yeah i, I, I understand uh, because uh, many things uh, come into play from uh, sedentary lifestyle from um, the advent over i would say the revolutionizing social media when you don't have to do a lot of things and you get sit at home and work a while 
the sedentary lifestyle is there the the things that we are eating are there so you're saying here and you have highlighted dr Osman, that the bmi is there the the pandemic obesity is there right but regardless of these features you are seeing patients who are not obese at all and have developed uh, fatty liver disease because of their um, eating habits so it's all it also brings into um, into play the the things we are eating from the cholesterol uh, from the LDL rich um, foods that are there so do you want to add on to specific foods uh, that are there obviously at the end of the day these are the fast foods uh, and guys if you want to listen to the things that are bringing on devastating problems to us you can listen to our previous episodes you are what you eat although it is in Udu language but it would be really amazing for our Udu listeners to listen and it really means uh, a lot of things but for now we are here uh, discussing um, more or less the same things so I can understand Dr. Sman that the lifestyle habits uh, have a role, play, a role to play as well so where should we move from here I think it's the management so uh, you have diagnosed such a patient and how would you manage such a patient would you consider the pre-diabetic status of that patient into account how would be the management plan that you would be sharing with us slow down Osama. i have to i have to answer a lot of things at the yeah, same sure, time sure, sure. Um, <laughs> okay so the first thing yeah you ask about the dietary changes yeah so you know, uh, the first step in the management will be the dietary modification. Um, I think this is uh, this is the pinnacle of the treatment I can give you. Like, uh, I can't give you more importance than this point. Dietary modification, dietary modification, and dietary modification. Yeah. So, yeah. So, first thing, you have to stop all the junk. If you stop junk and, uh, you know, stop... Uh, yeah. Uh, stop eating all the uh, uh, highly enriched uh, and processed food. fatty foods. You fatty foods. Say. Yeah, easy. you can say you can use just easy language for listening because at the at the end of the day, it's just fast fatty food. That fatty is food. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah, obviously. And the second thing is exercise. If you just add a thirty minutes of exercise in your daily routine, it will do a miracle. Trust me, Osama, it will do a miracle. And um, these are the things I have to emphasize more and more just on the dietary modification. I, uh, I really appreciate your previous uh, podcast as well because I listened to it to Thank you. many times just to, and you know, I recommend it to my patients as well. So you do have to listen Thank to you. this podcast. Thank you. So dietary modifications, uh, that is there. And obviously it also uh, helps us, the diabetic patients as well. So obviously the diabetic patient would be the one uh, you would be giving metformin, as a uh, correct, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, sure. So yeah, ha- I know Hasher is crying at the back. Uh, yeah, because he's trying to come over here. So no problem. Uh, <laughs> just just move on with your uh, diet, uh, your management. Okay. Yeah. So the so the next step will be uh, we'll add some. Uh, first we have start with the lifestyle modification, which I've already mentioned. Now yeah, yeah, we yeah. have to go for. Pharmacologically, yeah. 
pharmacological interventions, which is usually you will start with the uh, any lipid lowering agent for for example any statin. For example, we'll start with the rosuvastatin. Rosuvastatin. Yeah, exactly with any statins. Okay, so we have started with the very light dose at the very first, and then uh, if patient is developing diabetes at the meantime so we have to look at that factor as well because when we start metformin we get the two benefits for example it's it sensitizes your body to you know sense the insulin and also to help regulate the metabolism in your liver as well so yeah it do have like dual effects so that is why uh, the metformin is the number one and uh, then will be the main number one at the you know starting the regime of the diabetes medication so as your as, well. as your uh, personal experience as your personal experience this uh, addition of metformin in a pre-diabetic patient and with alongside having fatty liver disease is a, is a good accomplishment i would say yeah it's it's i have seen patient having a um, you know drastic changes in their lifestyle for example, if they have their HP1, HP1 AC in the yeah, range of like 6.4, 6.3 and a fatty liver grade of 2 and then they start, you know, taking a low dose of statin with metformin, they came back to like 5 and 5, 6. So plus, but I have to mention like over here again with dietary modifications. If you're just taking the uh, pharmacological intervention without, uh, you know, taking an account of a dietary modification, then you're doing nothing. Right. So, any other drug? Okay. So, Osama, uh, there is a new drug which is, you know, c- currently getting a more famed in uh, gastroenterologists around the globe. And that is uh, the drug which is uh, previously uh, approved by FDA for primary bilirubin cirrhosis. That is known as abeticolic. Right. So, uh, abeticolic usually uh, works uh, uh, with a certain receptors in your uh, liver. Uh, which helps to you know regulate uh, the regulate the bile production and okay. to you know to uh, overcome uh, the bile uh, accumulation in your liver so that is uh, somehow works for uh, nash as well but we don't know the exact mechanism mm-hmm. till now but it is very beneficial to uh, to my, uh, to this time yeah so you're using personally in patients yeah yeah, yeah. i have seen a miraculous result with this is drug. there um I have this um, question as well, many questions, but one of the, uh, this is, is um, you're talking about management, you're talking yeah. about drugs, yeah. uh, you're talking about a, a new drug, right? Mm-hmm. What is the point at when, at which you would want to start a patient with these drugs? Is it a grade one fatty liver disease, a grade two? At what grades? Or at what point would you want to start a patient with pharmacological therapy? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, obviously, someone we do have to you know take expect in a different pathways. For example, we have to look at the lipid profile at the same time with the grade of the liver involvement and also to the patient nutritional status. For example, if patient is obese and patient have a BMI ranging above thirty and having uh, a, a lipid profile which is deranged and uh, LFTs are deranged but having a grade 1 uh, uh, fatty liver changes yeah. so we, we still have to start the uh, pharmacological therapy yeah but so some you're saying it depends upon uh, sorry patient to, to patient it's really patient to patient yeah, yeah. sorry to interrupt you uh, Dr. Sarum but you're saying uh, it depends on the pa- patient right it varies with the patient 
and uh, you have to take into account the f many things from the BMI to the obesity to the eating habits of the patient as well as to the subjective and the objective findings that you get yeah, yeah, whether totally. it is the lab investigations with the deranged LFTs or whether it is the imaging that you get with the ultrasound and the grades with which you classify so um, let's uh, should I summarize all of the things that I that you have just uh, highlighted in this discussion or you want to say further that and after that I would uh, summarize it um, I'll say I just have to add the prognostic uh, prognostic yeah, factor into it. Yeah, say uh, usually patient presented uh, like uh, if we have to you know the patient presented with the incidental findings. So at that stage, patient is usually at grade two fatty liver changes or having grade three at that time. So if he or she will st stop at that point and will start the pharmacological treatment by using every mean possible so we can revert the irreversible changes which is leading to cirrhosis but if the patient doesn't stop at that point if he or she doesn't stop at you know uh, changing the lifestyle modification and all that stuff then the ultimate or the end result will be the cirrhosis because we all know the pathway that w with which it ends cirrhosis yeah. whether yeah. it's any hepatitis or whether this is fatty liver hepatitis I would say the end product the end result the gateway leads to cirrhosis guys and the reason for our today's discussion and this episode is to highlight is that no matter whether a patient has hepatitis B or C because in the devel developed part of the world these infections are going down I must admit that these are there in our part of the world but with the emerging fatty liver disease that is there and will lead to cirrhosis and eventually can also cause hepatocellular carcinoma. So here we are um, with a discussion of this fatty liver disease, the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, also known as the non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Do you want to? Do you want me to summarize, or yeah, do you, you should, want to you summarize? Should. No, no, no. You should summarize. So, thing. guys, um, here I am about to summarize. I hope I can summarize it efficiently. We started with the pathogenesis and highlighted the importance with which, or where which, the fats, the triglycerides, LDLs, are deposited within the liver, and cause chronic inflammation, causing oxidative damage to the cells and thus causing fatty liver disease, leading to cirrhosis. Then Dr. Osman also highlighted the fatigue and the malaise with the only complaints that patients are presenting with. And at the end of the day, you're just left with sending up baselines that come up as positives for your investigations. And then I think we discussed that no matter whether it's a patient with a very devastating BMI, I would say, in the higher ranges or whether there is obesity or not some patients are there that are not obese but due to their lifestyle habits or a genetic predisposition have fatty liver disease and at the end of the day you also discussed and shed light about the relationship and the coexistence of diabetes and hepatitis or the fatty liver disease and the way you should be managing such patients as taking a 
as taking both therapies alongside, with metformin as a starting point in pre-diabetic patients, and the new drug that you highlighted having a play in primary biliary cirrhosis, but also giving absolutely astonishing results in your experience in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So here we, uh, here we are here with you guys discussing some amazing topics. Today was an amazing discussion with Dr. Osman Fiaz. I'm really blessed and honored to have him as my friend, my fellow, and a guest in this podcast show. Do you want to have any last words to our audience in your remarks or any signing off words that you want to say, Dr. Osman? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, so I'm a, this is the great effort. I think... Um, the fatty liver changes and the nephrology is getting the new um, and I was already mentioned as epidemic of this country and of this world as well so yeah we have to give importance to this topic so I hope this uh, get uh, a lot of people would listen to this yeah, podcast maybe we'll listen to yeah, this. yeah and and we'll have some knowledge about this thing and maybe we can help prevent this thing before happening to a ultimate result which is cirrhosis so yeah you're doing a great effort man i really appreciate you for your this effort and i wish you luck for the future as well well thank you uh, i hope you would be joining us in other episodes as yeah, well yeah sure sure uh, i'll be i'll be honored if you invite me i'll definitely be there <laughs> right so this was the first episode with dr osman fiaz and his nephew crying in the back Harsher. Signing off. <laughs> Signing off right now. So uh, here's a wrap to our episode, guys. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. And Harsher crying in the back. Yes. Such an amazing time recording with you, my friend.